Dose to Leadership Podcast, episode 221. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Richard Ryerson here, as always. So thankful that you're tuning into the show. This is the show where we talk about leadership, bringing on people to hear about their leadership journey, to hear about their trials or tribulations, how they deal with leadership. So hopefully you can take that advice or their conversation, take some nuggets out of it and apply it to your own leadership journey because we're all called to leadership, whether we like it or not, or whether we know it or not, all of us are going to be called to a leadership position. Somebody right now is looking to you to influence and guidance. And if you're a parent, as a minimum, you know that you've got your leadership hands full. But if even if you don't think about it, we think about leadership as about position. We think it's about title. It's not about that. It's about adding value to people's lives. And when you understand that that's the key root of leadership, and at the heart of that is a foundation of love, you realize that we have a choice. Leadership is a choice. It's not a birthright, or it's not some genetic disposition that allows you to become a great leader. All of us can learn how to become better leaders. If you have the desire, the capacity, the willingness to learn how to lead, you can become a better leader. It doesn't mean you're going to be the Fortune 500 CEO, but that's not what leadership is about. It's about adding value to other people's lives, being servant, being sacrificial, not necessarily expecting anything in return. And if you live by that way, and it takes a great deal of amount of intentionality, about a purpose and intent, then your wants and your needs will be exponentially met. That's how the universe works. I don't know why it works that way, but it does. It's easy to understand leadership principles, difficult to put into play because of the courage, the authenticity, the vulnerability that's required. But that's what's needed. So that's what we talk about here at this show. That's what we're all about in Dose of Leadership. And we bring people on to have these conversations to kind of push that kind of message forward. So I'm so happy you're tuning in. If you're finding some value in Dose of Leadership, I do ask that you take the time to subscribe to this show. It means the world to me if you can leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher, two of the more popular apps that you can listen to the podcast for free on the go whenever you want, wherever you want. And I love hearing from you. Reach out to me at the contact page at doseofleadership.com or email me directly at richard at doseofleadership.com and let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. I connect with my listeners all throughout the week and I love hearing where you're at. And I love hearing from you on where you're at in your journey. And if I can help in any way, I'd be more than happy to assist. So again, thanks so much for tuning in. Been a challenging week for me. I had a flood issue Basement almost flooded. Well, it did flood. I lost a sump pump in one of my window wells. I added a basement room, oh, I don't know, five years ago, and they had to cut an escape window to make it a window well or, you know, a, a qualify as a bedroom. And so uh, they had to install a sump pump because the water fills up in that little pit. And lo and behold, it failed in the intense rain the other night, five inches in less than three hours, and uh, had water rushing into the bedroom. Fortunately, I don't have any carpet in my basement, I got rid of all the carpet. And so thankfully, the only thing that was really ruined 
was a throw rug, but it put me in a place where, my gosh, we are not in control of a lot of things And um, when it comes to Mother Nature, um, but you can control how you see things. And my guest today is a perfect example of that. I love Bruce Van Horn. I've been a fan of his for a while. And his kind of uh, call sign, if you will, or his belief is life is a marathon, so let's train for it. And it's so true. He is a out of priority, and that's what I love about him. He's a dad, he's a writer, he's a coach, he's an entrepreneur, a speaker, and he's a runner. And um, again, I've just been a huge fan of him. He's kind of like me. He wants to help people discover their purpose and passion for life, and he excels at it. I've been following Bruce for a long time, so it was an honor to have him finally come on my show and just have this great conversation about life and leadership. And um, I'm so glad to connect with him and just wait till you hear his story. He's had, we all have painful experiences and setbacks in life, but Bruce has had his fair share and he shares them with us and how he comes back from them and how he uses his faith and his ability to turn things around as a choice, like we said, that it's a choice in how you view things. He's mastered that. He's been put to the test and he's just a genuine soul and you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's Bruce Van Horn on Dose of Leadership. Well, Bruce, welcome to the show. So excited to have you on Dose of Leadership. Richard, it is an honor. You've got an all-star lineup. I, I can't believe that uh, I, I get to be included with some of the great people that you've interviewed. So the honor is mine. Oh, well, the honor is mine. I mean, you should be, you know, the following that you have and the stuff that you talk about and your beliefs. I mean, I love what you do. I love what you stand for. And uh, well, I just knew we'll, I had, had to get you on the show. We'll thumb wrestle for the honor then. <laughs> or, or how about we just share it? Very good. Very good. <laughs> Well, guys, let's bring the listeners up to speed. How did you get to this point to where you felt your calling or your passion was to talk about leadership and helping people find purpose and passion? You know, it's funny because I I had actually forgotten um, about high school. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I was recently going through my old um, senior uh, yearbook with my son. I went to a military academy and, you know, so it had, had me in my uniform. I, I was an officer in, in the Corps of Cadets. And, you know, it, it listed um, leadership as, as my, my number one really? thing that I, that I was known for in school. And I had completely, I mean, we're talking 35 years ago. Wow. I had completely forgotten. Uh, I knew I went to a military school, but I for, had forgotten the leadership roles that I had taken. And so for me... Um, really, uh, my, my entire young adult and into my early forties years is, is just a blur of, of busy activity about chasing the almighty dollar, Mm. being completely dissatisfied with my life, wound up filing bankruptcy two times, one due to a, a failed business startup. That, you know, I was, I, I made way too much money right out of college, and so all of that went to my head and invested it in a business that I shouldn't have. And you know, it, I, I sh- looking back, it dawned on me, you know, I put up all the money, but my partner didn't put up any, <laughs> so I wound up losing all of that. Um, you know, I had tons of marriage problems. We had a daughter who passed away, and oh, you know, because man. of the huge medical expenses, well over a mil- million dollars. Oh, and so my share of it was was several hundred thousand because of our our deductibles and maximum limits and stuff. Wound up filing bankruptcy again, and so I got to the point where I was in my 
mid 40s. I was 42 years old and I I could not keep living that way anymore. I was I hated my life. I had a, a seven year old and a one year old and the highlight of my day was going to bed at night and dreading getting up in the morning um, just because I, I had completely lost sight of I, I had no hope for my future. And so I really decided, well, I, I knew that I either had to make a change or I, I seriously was going to consider ending it. Wow. Um, so I, I set about, how do we go about making, how do we reinvent Bruce? And, and part of it, well, I, I would say the most important part of, of me rediscovering what you know, you never lose who you really are in your core. It's always there. You either just right. forget about it or, or you lose touch with it. Um, you know, it's so it's funny to look back and see that I was very much involved in in leadership as a uh, as a young you know high schooler, and then to come full circle and, and back around to to talking about it and and being in it again. But um, marathon running. <laughs> my, my, uh, you know, and, and stop me and ask questions and anywhere along no, the line. No, keep going, man. Keep going. My, my older brother uh, came to Richmond, Virginia, which is where I live, uh, to run the Richmond Marathon, and this was in 2005. And after he spent the night with us, and and that night at dinner, he said, "Bruce, you should do this." And I said, "I said I should do what?" He said, "You should run a marathon." And I laughed at the man. I said, you've got to be kidding me. I've not run since high school. Um, you know, I'm easily 40 pounds, you know, out of overweight, so out of shape. I, I work at home and I live in a neighborhood where everything that I need is within five minutes drive. Everything I want is within 10 or 15 minutes drive. So I don't even like to drive 26 miles unless I'm going on vacation. And, and he said to me, he said, the hardest part about running a marathon is making the decision to do it. Hmm. And I didn't, I didn't believe him. Didn't believe him. I was like, yeah, right. But I, I knew at that point with my seven-year-old and my one-year-old that I couldn't ride bikes or play in the yard with them for more than a few minutes before having to stop and say, you know, let daddy catch his breath. So I did at least take his challenge to get back in shape. And so I, I joined a gym and it was easily a month and a half before I could jog. And that's using the word very loosely. Oh but, you know, so just a little bit faster than a brisk walk. Um, it, it took me a, a month and a half to where I could jog a mile without walking. Wow. And, you know, during that time I got frustrated, almost quit, but I kept listening to my brother's voice that, that it was about the decision to do it and, uh, to take the action, which, um, which I discovered. So once that happened, I, I think it was a week later, I went two miles and then, um, and then I went through. Three, I enrolled in a neighborhood 5K, and then I ran a 10K in the spring of 2006. And at that point, I decided to just go for it. And I went straight to marathon training during the summer of 2006. And the, in November of 2006, with my brother, who came back to run it again, um, I ran my very first marathon. And... I learned so much about life and I learned so much about me and where I was totally feeling like a victim 
that my life had gone horribly awry that you know i i didn't you know i didn't think that i would ever be successful again i didn't see myself as successful having filed bankruptcy twice um you know so what i discovered is that you you may be able to muster up enough you know, gusto or whatever to run a mile or to run a 5K or to, to run a 10K, but you can't accidentally. Right. Run a you, know, you can't accidentally run a marathon. That's 100% you know, you're, you're a Marine. Yeah. You, know, you know what this <laughs> right. is all about. You know, you, you've, you know, it's got to be intentional effort. And you can't run a marathon if you also don't have a big enough why. If you're just think, oh, well, it'll be fun you're probably going to give up halfway mm-hmm. through the, the training. And so the, this is where I developed my, my metaphor of life as a marathon, so let's train for it, which I adopted as, as my life motto um, because what it taught me was the mental determination necessary to train for a marathon. I discovered that I had not been for many years yeah. – but I certainly could apply to every single area of my life. And so what I realized that was that I did not have a overweight and out of shape problem. I didn't have marriage problems. I didn't have financial problems. I didn't have low self-esteem in a job I didn't really like problem. All of those were the, the symptoms of the real problem, which was Bruce had a thinking problem. Oh, and that is just... Such a fascinating opener to the show, and um, God, there's so many nuggets there, and it's so true. Why do we, and particularly as men, why do we get to that point when we start from basically 18 to 19 years of age, and we set upon this path, a lot of it, I think, because we are doing what we think is expected of us, or we think this is what's going to give us the most money, the most satisfaction, and we are so focused on the success, and I'm using air quotes when I say that, success yeah. and what that means, and we have this splat moment. We all have them, and some varying degrees of others, and man, you've had you had a series of splats that you probably thought this was the splat moment, then something else happened, and oh my gosh, how do you yeah. get out of it? <laughs> Yeah, and then the le- this most recent year of my life happened, which we can talk about later. Yeah. That was that was all just from two thousand you know, up to two thousand six. Um, yeah, you know the 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 ultimate problem is that we are looking to the world. We're looking yeah. to things outside of ourselves that the world can't give us. Right. You know? So we we look to even looking to a spouse to give us a. That, that feeling of significance, mm-hmm. of, of being loved. And, you know, so we look to our jobs to give us financial stability. We look, you know, so we, we're constantly looking outside for the world to give us that which the world is not capable right. of giving us. It's got to come from within us. And it does exist in each and every one of us. We just have to tap into it. We're all approval addicts, I think. Exactly. And and the exactly moment that you is. can you can let go of the fact that I don't need approval from a spouse, from a coworker, yeah. from society. I have all the tools required and necessary to live a life of significance. And I think the moment you stop trying mm-hmm. to live a life of success and start focusing on living a life of significance, your world's 
your mind shifts and it starts you know, to change. And, and the day that when, when you don't need those things, now I want you, want you I, I want, I'd like you to like Absolutely. me. I am going to live my life in a way that I try to, um, I, you know, not in a way to manipulate you into liking me, but I don't need you to like me. Right. And when you meet that person, that person is so much more attractive than the needy, you know, right. you know, than the approval, you know, person. God, you it's know, so hard though, Bruce. I don't know how, I mean, even though it's so, and I know that, and I know that truth and I got to remind myself. It's a process. I think you know, it's, a, get, it's yeah, every day. It's an intentional everyday process. It's never going to stop, by the way. I don't think we're no. ever going to arrive on that plateau and plant the flag. If so, then we're setting ourselves up for a fall. But I think that, um, I think it's getting for me anyway, it's it's getting comfortable or excited with the fact that I'm ready to do battle every day. And you got to almost, it's almost what I call the warrior mentality. It's like you have to kind of adopt it. And the yeah. the moment that you realize that it is a battleground and it's not a playground, then, um, then I think your life can start to change. And it sounds like that moment that you kind of started training for the marathon and you know, saying to yourself, oh, I, you know, I suck at this and I'm a failure and two bankruptcies and all that. It's almost like once you started training for the marathon, you realized that life was really a battleground and you started enjoying, I don't know if enjoying is the right word, but you realized that you engaged in the battleground, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's, I I had stopped engaging. And so I've just recently um, been been playing with this word engage and do you, do you remember the the movie top gun yeah oh yeah you know so so after the accident you know in in which his friend goose. you know get gets moose yeah Go- in which goose. moose gets killed goose yeah so they're they're out and they're actually in a combat situation but because he's so focused on on the failure that he had the the other guy Viper is that his name? I don't. It's been so long since yeah. I've seen this movie. But I I just remember that Tom Cruise did not engage. Right. And you know, and that's how I I had stopped living. I was so focused on the failures mm-hmm. that had happened in my life. I was so focused on the person that I was not. That I forgot to engage mm. with the person that I am and the person that I could be. And I also learned a lot about goals. You know, you also, if, you know, if I can use the marathon metaphor again, so let's suppose that you're training for your first marathon and, and people will often say, oh, well, you know, you've got to have that goal. You've got to have that finish line in mind because that, that's your big why. And, you know, I've now run so many marathons. The uh, the big party and crossing the finish line, it's really not that exciting. <laughs> and so if that was what you've just done all this training for, then once again, you're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. You've got to enjoy the getting there. Yeah, because you know, and that's right. You're absolutely right because I think that's where you hear sometimes of particularly marathon runners where they – if they're not focused on the process and the journey and they get to that finish line and it's anticlimactic, they almost get depressed because what next, right? Yeah, and so it's exactly. like, it, it is the process, and, the journey. And, and life is that way. And and so I, I, I came across, I don't know who said it first, but um, your life will not be great until you decide that your life is 
great right right now it doesn't mean it can't get greater but you know but if your life is always okay well when i get such and such when i when i meet the perfect spouse when i get the better job when i you know when i reach this goal then my life will be great well at some point when you get there you've got to say okay right at this right now my life is now great and you can say that today mhm it's absolutely true i think it's you know Again, I keep going back to the mindset shift of like, how do I become or lead a life of significance and, mm-hmm. and leave a lasting legacy? For me, that's helped me on a daily basis. I get asked this. In fact, I just had a mastermind right before our interview, and we were talking about this exact specific, my weekly class, we were talking about this this exact topic where one of my students asked me, he's like, well, how do you, what do you do if you know, you're faced with, you got these goals and let's get one of the goals, for example, is to become financially free. You know, I want to be debt free, have my mortgage paid off. And the typical mindset of the society tells you I need to work myself backwards from that plan, you know, and here's my plan. And that sets up a series to do, to do lists and all these other things and to take action to start to take action. But what I find myself when, and I think that's okay and that's good, but I find myself, Coming a slave to the to-do list, and I and yeah. I lose sight of the priorities, if that yeah. makes sense. And so for me, it has to have a spiritual element to it. And like in the morning, you got to have that me time, read scripture. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in God, hug a tree, whatever you do. But there's got to be something that where you focus on where am I going? What am I? What am I becoming? You know, exactly. asking that question: What am I becoming instead of what am I getting? Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. And I think if you focus on that, then you can, it puts you at least in the mindset for me anyway, to to face battle for that day. And I don't get caught up in the to-do list and I find myself shifting towards a kind of of a priority list, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I I think Dr. Seuss actually said it best. She says, I will behave today as if today is the day I will be remembered. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I don't and think so, I've ever heard that from Dr. Seuss. That's a, yeah, I forget which book it's in, but it's a uh, it's a great Dr. Seuss quote. It says, you know, live today like today is you know the day for which you'll be remembered. Yeah, that because because you don't know what day you're going to get next. Um, right, you, you don't, and, and that and that's been my recent you know. So I I was at the sort of the top of my game from you know from learning all of these things about me and then you know sort of rediscovering Bruce and reinventing Bruce after all of his failures to getting to my my life to to where I really wanted it to be um then then I got the wind kicked out of me in February of 2014 when my doctor called and said um you're not going to like this call, but you've got oh. stage four prostate cancer. Oh my God, Bruce. Yeah. I, I had just turned 50 years old. And you know, for, for you guys listening, if you are any, if you're in your mid forties, you've got to get your PSA checked. If, if I had not gotten my PSA checked, and this doesn't need to be an ad for prostate cancer awareness, but um, I'd be dead today. Because no, when I uh, I actually have a long family history of prostate cancer. I'm I'm now the award winning youngest member of the Van Horn family to get it. But um, 
when I was 44, I asked my family physician while I was getting a checkup, I said, you know, you need to start checking my prostate. And he said, no, we don't do that until you're 50. And I said, well, no, with me, you start doing it now. And he, he said, no, we really don't do that until you're 50. There's no point. Statistically, nobody gets you know, the cancer before then. I said, you know, you're missing the point. You work for me. Mm-hmm. And if you can't check my PSA, I can find another doctor who will. And so he did. And so we had a baseline. But had I gone in on my 50th birthday for my checkup when I was 50, because what they do is they, they get a number and then that becomes the baseline. Right. And they, you just watch the number. And so if I had only had my first PSA test taken when I was 50 years old, it would not have been checked again until I was 21 or 51. And by that time, it would have um, mine was stage four, but it had not metastasized oh, to my lymph system. Um, but I'd, I'd be gone by now. Oh, so, man. yeah, so I had all of that to deal with. And that was also in the middle of um, my divorce. I'm a, a single dad with full custody of two boys. And so I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I had, a, had my hands full this time last year. And, you know, so again, it's, it's about being, um, it's about being grounded and realizing that it, I, I think it's a very, very important to have long-range goals to, to you know, have the plans for what you want to do when you retire, but recognize that today is the only day we've been given. Yeah. I, yeah. So, oh my gosh, how did you, so what do you do? You get knocked back on your butt again. You've kind you've, you've kind of made it this far you've starting to figure out life in a whole different perspective and then you get knocked back on your butt again in february take me back what's the what is the the mindset well, and the steps yeah that you so took? so i'm human right and so my boys were at school that morning and um i spoke with my doctor and you know we we knew that there was at least the potential because my my psa blood test did not look good and so uh they sent me in to to get a a prostate biopsy done, and so it was a you know a couple of days after that that he was now calling with the results that came back from the biopsy, and um, he he didn't think that I was going to have anything show up, and if it was there, that it would be very minor, um, given my age. So he was just blown away um, at the extent of the cancer. So. I was human. Um, I sat at my kitchen cr- table and I cried like a baby <laughs> for about an hour. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of that day, um, the next couple days were a blur of just trying to figure out, okay, what do we do given, you know, so there's bone scans and blood tests and stuff. Um, it was the next day I told my boys, um, so that I didn't tell them that day. I needed a little bit of time to process and, and make some, some decisions. Um, but yeah, I, I cried. But the one thing that I did not do, which indicated to me that I had done significant healing, I had done significant work from where I was um, when my brother said you should run a marathon, had I gotten my diagnosis then, I have no doubt that I would have committed suicide. Really? It would have been the straw that broke the camel's back for oh, me. It would have right. been one more thing of which Bruce was a victim. But 
but I didn't, you know, I was, I was disturbed. I was upset. I cried. I grieved over it. But I also realized that, okay, this is just part of existing. You know, this is something that lots of people have to go through. It is not necessarily a death sentence. Let's look for something good in it. We've caught it um, hopefully early enough before it has spread to anything. And and fortunately, that was the case. Um, But let's just do what we have to do and not get bogged down in the woe is me. You know, why does this stuff happen to me? mindset. And so I I really did have more of a a warrior, as you just said, mindset that, you know, this, I I am not giving up without a fight. Um, I I am in this for the long haul. I've got two amazing young men who, who look to me as my, uh, you know, for, for me, I, I do have as a, as a business owner, as a life coach, as, as a, you know, member of my community, I wear lots of leadership hats, mm-hmm. but the number one leadership hat for me is as dad written on it. Right. That's great insight and great, um, evaluated experience. You're right. And you can kind of see how you've matured, you know, in, in eight years or so, or, or nine years, I guess eight yeah. years at the time. Yeah, let's do it. And it's just like, wow, what, what have, I, I guess I even go back to the question, how important has was faith in your life prior to this? Absolutely. And how important is faith now in your leadership journey? I mean, it's... Oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it, is, it is the core. Um, you know, God sustains my, my every living breath. Um, you know, and so, and so that was actually part of, of the process. And, and I've actually just finished writing a book um, sort of about my recovery process, not necessarily my physical, how did, because the, uh, the cancer surgery was, was successful, but it was not without complications. I actually lost 70% of my blood on the operating table Ooh. during the surgery. Um, so, so that was difficult as well. And so because of that, I had to deal, I, I had this type of surgery that's called a radical retropubic um, prostatectomy. And so I, I got slid open from belly button to pubic bone. Um, and I had to go through my co- recovery um, without pain medication. Oh my God, Bruce. Yeah. So <laughs> I had a friend of mine who, who is a family physician. He, he came in, visited me, talked to the nurse, looked at my chart, and just shook his head. He said, dude, I have no idea how you're doing this on Tylenol. Oh, my God. Um, but because my blood pressure was so low due to, due to the blood loss, they couldn't give me the, the morphines or the codeines or, or whatever the good ones are because those lower your blood pressure. And they couldn't sit my bed up more than you know, more than like a 30 degree angle before I would pass out. But, but anyway, so I had to, I had to get inside my head and do serious pain management. And so the, the, the process of recovering was all about faith. It was all about this idea. And and I sort of had this epiphany, whether it's, um, you know, whether it was this spiritual, I, I was already born again, so it wasn't a, a new born again experience. So I, I, I never doubt my, my salvation and, and know that I move on to a much better place when, uh, when it does, when I do leave this body. But um, something occurred to me 
that I, I could really only focus on one breath at a time. And I discovered that simply because I was able to take the breath that I just took, that proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that at that particular moment and at this particular moment when I'm talking with you, Richard, I have everything I need. Everything I need to sustain life at this moment. And then my next thought was, you know, I, the ability to, well, the, the fact that I could feel pain meant that I had a working nervous system, okay? A working nervous system is only necessary to sustain life as long as it controls the vital organs. But there are people who are born without a sense of touch, um, you know, so you can, they don't feel anything. They get injured a, a lot. Um, eyesight is not necessary for life. Hearing is not necessary for life. Speech is not necessary for life. Look at the life of Helen Keller. Mm -hmm. um, if you, so the, the basic functions other than, you know, so breathing, a beating heart and a cerebral cortex that is able to control the beating of your heart and, you know, the circulating of blood, the oxygenating process, anything beyond that, including the ability to feel pain, is a gift. That's fascinating stuff. You're like my sensei. Wax on and off when it comes on that. My gosh, that is yeah. So so we stuff. we think you know we we look at like what was it Maslow's hierarchy mm -hmm. of needs right, and he right. includes food and stuff. None of those, Richard, are needs. Those are wants. Mm -hmm. Anything. If you've got clothes of any kind, if you have a bed to lie on or a street to a gutter to lie down on. You don't need those things. So anything beyond a beating heart, lungs breathing, oxygenating blood, and a brain that's functioning and keeping your body alive. So the ability to speak, the ability to see, um, it's all a gift. And so what do we do with gifts? Cherish them. We cherish them. We celebrate them. We say, thank you, God. Right. Yeah. In, in in this breath. And so the way I was able to do it, you know, without pain drugs is with every th single breath. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, and so you, you don't watch the clock. You don't think, oh, okay, well, it's going to be, in, they just gave me Tylenol, which isn't much. And it's going to be another three hours till I get that. So, but, but in, anyway, but that's, that's how you do it. Yeah. Uh, no, but oh, gosh, that is magical stuff those are some golden nuggets and, and i think that's what is so important about you know when people hear that word leadership you know it's so much more deeper than what we initially think it is if we don't really oh, it it's it's about life and coming from a place of of gratitude of love of um most of it is you know you want to be a fantastic leader it's all about personal growth you focus on yourself and grow yourself that'll enable you to grow others and yeah and it's about loving loving the people that you lead yes. to and you know so there's this thing you we, we can get caught up in this idea of of servant leadership and 
which has nothing to do with subservience. And, and you've had plenty of guests to, to talk about mm-hmm. that, brilliant guests. And so we don't need to go that. But this, this idea of, of love mm-hmm. causes us to see, in fact, I just did a podcast about this, that um, you know, how do we love the unlovable? And so love is so radically different than liking a person. Mm-hmm. Um, loveliness has nothing to do with lovability. And every human being is lovable. Um, but as a, as a leader, to recognize that there are human beings, businesses are ultimately just collections of people. Right. People have feelings. People have wants, needs, desires. And so, you know, uh, it, whether it's in my house or whether it's in a company, my job as as the leader is to help you be the best you you can possibly be because when you are that so if you've got the the tools the resources necessary to do your job but yet you know that you are also supported and valued as a human being then you can do your job so much more uh, in a much more fulfilling way than just standing in an assembly line punching out widgets mm-hmm. yeah it is about adding value to other people's lives. I mean, that's really what it's all about. And not really yeah. expecting anything in return, but being thankful that you're able to to do that, to, to add value to somebody's life, and even at that exact moment. That's probably the hardest. I'm just even listening to that. It's the hardest thing for me to do is to be thankful for the exact moment because my eyes are always focused on whatever, the goal. And... Um, but I do find that the more that I, you know, there's really two words that I talk about a lot in the show is the intention and the contemplation. You know, the intention of, like you said, on a daily basis, being thankful for the spot. And you're even taking it more granular than I even thought. Even every single breath is a gift. Um, but that puts you in the right mindset to stop kind of chasing the rat race or, or getting involved in the rat race and start living a life of significance and adding value. Yeah. And there's so many opportunities. When you look at it that, when you realize it's a choice, that's the other thing that I heard you kind of – that I got from listening to you is that it's so much of a choice. And when exactly. you realize that it's a choice, then, wow, the world becomes a completely a, – a plethora of opportunities. Yeah, regardless we, are one, of, regardless we are all 100% capable of and responsible for our decisions, our words, our thoughts. You know, so so even little little phrases that we often use, like you know, if you know my my boss makes me so angry. Well, no, your boss doesn't make you angry. The way you respond to your boss may have made you angry, but you made you angry, right? You know, right? So you are responsible for. Uh, I, I like to break the word "responsible" down to response able. Right. You are able to respond to anything. Um, you just have to ask yourself: Is this a useful response? How do we? You know, we were talking a little bit before the show started. I, you know, my family's been plagued, of, and my wife and I are uh, worry words. In fact, it was funny when we. For the first thing I said, I said, I'm anxious to talk to you. And you reminded me 
you're not anxious to talk to me, are you? And I'm you're, like, yeah, you're you're excited. Right. I'm excited to talk to you. But you know, yeah. it's just, you know, a lifetime of worry, I guess, is you could sit there and, and describe uh, my journey. And my gosh, you, I can, I can just see myself, I'm listening to your story and I'm starting to get worried, like how, what would I have done? I could see myself just consumed with worry. How do we, how do we stop that vicious worry well, cycle? I mean, you, you got some of it, I would imagine in your Marine Corps training, yeah, um, sure. you know, be, because, and maybe without realizing it, you know, but, but soldiers, um, you know, I, I, you know, ha- have not, um, had the the privilege to serve in the armed forces, although I did go to a, a military um, high school. Um, I know that we would, and and you would do. Um, uh, I, I'm sorry. What at go, you go out on exercises, mm-hmm. and so if you're. If your goal is, if you're doing it, if you're role playing, and you're about to attack some base or whatever, you you try to rehearse every possible scenario. Right. But what are all those scenarios based on? The you 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 were rehearsing every possible way to achieve a successful outcome, weren't you? Yeah. So you were you were. Re- Cursing the victories. Well, now if this if this doesn't go this way, we need to adjust. But we're constantly have in our minds the vision that's cast before us is a favorable outcome. Right. Okay. You don't worry about favorable outcomes, do you? No. We we worry because what we wind up rehearsing and playing in our mind is the outcome that we don't want. We wind up playing a movie in our head in which everything goes wrong and we lose, <laughs> right. right? Right. Because that, that's what we think about. We think about all the things that could go wrong instead of all the things that could go right. Yeah. You know, so if, if my kids are going out on, you know, my, my 18-year-old, you know, sometimes goes off on really long bike rides with his buddies, um, a previous version of Bruce used to think about all the things that could go wrong. And and the current version of Bruce says, I hope you have a great time. Yeah. And have great adventures. And so that the parenting side of Bruce has, has really had to deal with this idea of worry because I, I am a worry ward. Yeah. Um, but I love that analogy you gave with the training. And I'm thinking back, I and, I and I've talked about this a lot, but you even gave me some more clarity about why flying airplanes has helped me on the leadership and the life front. Because, you know, every training flight that <laughs> you, we go... You have never once practiced crashing, have you? Never. And in fact, you know, every training flight that you did in the military was a series. Even when you came up and say you did, you had a mission just to take people, cargo, some race and coming back. But you always came back before you finished the day and you shot or you executed uh, a series of approaches. Like, and you're always executing the worst case scenario losing an engine shooting it in bad weather and all those worst the things that worst thing can happen that you always did it and why did you do that relentlessly is because when it actually did happen it would just be you know the training helped the, the, the training i guess helps you it just, compartmentalize it just kicks in right you know so you you your instinct kicks in and says oh the engine went out now you know because i have rehearsed this so many times uh-huh. my hand knows exactly which switch to go and flip right 
and I'm training for success is what you're saying. Yeah, in in right. the worst possible scenario, that would... Yeah. See, see, worry is telling yourself a story exactly. in which you wind up being a victim. You don't get what you want. Things don't go the way you want them to. And so everybody is a writer. Everybody is, you know, so the, the, the theme that I use over and over in, in my book is we are, every single human being on this planet has an imagination and is a movie producer and creator much more fantastically successful than you know people like uh, you know Steven Spielberg or Martin Martin Scorsese or or the great film directors they they don't come close to some of the things you've imagined right yeah so we're always writing a movie we're always casting it we're you know creating the scene and so part of the thing that you can do to eliminate worry is to watch a different movie. Yeah, you're in control watch, of it. What, watch the one in which the hero wins and you're the hero. Change the script. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's just great stuff. Great stuff. So when's the book coming out? You got a, the book about the worry. When is it coming out? Yeah, I'm doing a soft launch on it um, right now over the next couple of weeks, but really planning to, to do a big push for it on uh, July 1st, sort of uh, declaring our independence, you know, at least here mm, in, in the United States, it's the 4th of July is our independence day. And so I would love to see millions of people declare their independence and their freedom from worry because, you know, we, those of us who are worry warts know the bondage yeah. that it, that it keeps us in. We're not able to live the full, amazing life that that we know we're capable of because we spend so much mental energy which takes a toll on us physically when we worry so july 1st is is the big launch um the paperback will be ready the the kindle is already ready and um hopefully the audiobook version will be ready by then as well man i'm excited to see this book i you know like i said it's fraught with worry and I look at my kids they're warriors it's just it's yep. just kind of our, our middle but you know we're not alone and you're right there's a lot of chronic warriors out there and, and uh, absolutely it's like we can be our own tribe and so I appreciate you putting this worry no more book out and I'm anxious to read that That's thank you yeah, it's called worry no more four steps to stop worrying and start living which is the most important part and so the book really ultimately taps into your faith system as well and uh, you know that the, the fourth step is, um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty t- uh, pleased with my titles that I selected because yeah. they're very punny. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the fourth step is called rest in peas. <laughs> and, so, and so I, I walk through five words, all of which start with P, um, but ultimately ends with peace. And, and so the, ultimately your worry is basically you questioning God. If you're worried about something, That's a great point. You, yeah. you, you doubt God's plan, his purpose, and the perfection of your life. And while your life might not be what you think it should be, because you have everything you need with each breath that you take, your life is perfect. Yeah. And you don't need the approval. You've already you're exactly you're perfect in his eyes. You've got the approval that you need. You don't need the approval from the external world. You've got all the yeah. approval that you need. It would be nice, like you said earlier in the show. I want you to. It'd be nice if you approved me, liked me. Yeah. But 
you have right. all the tools that you need to lead a significant and impactful sure. life. Yeah. And then accepting that if what it is that you're worried about actually does happen, that even that is part of the plan for your life and that that has a purpose. And because the creator of that plan and that purpose is perfect, then that event is perfectly you know, meant for your life at this point in time. Beautiful stuff. I want to t turn my listeners on to make sure that they, if you like what you're hearing on this show, and I know I've been impacted by so much what you've said here in the last you know, 40 minutes or so, but I encourage all my listeners to um, listen to your podcast too, Life is a Marathon, which can be found on iTunes. And just like I say on this show, go there, subscribe to it, because it's just chock full of um, wonderful nuggets about life, inspiration, all the resources on, on how to, what we, you know, live life and as you put it you know run this marathon called life um you've got uh, great guests some of the ones that we've had on the show but some i haven't had that i'm always like chris lacurto i see on your your show yeah you've talked chris to, is great yeah he's awesome you talked to bob berg who's been on the show but mm -hmm. but he's awesome too talk about a, a giving mentality right uh, absolutely yeah and I'm sure there's a lot of the stuff of, of you on there just kind of espousing your thoughts too. I'm going to be cherry picking your guest list because you've got a ton of people that I would love to have on my show. But uh, guys, go go download and, and uh, subscribe to Bruce's show and leave him a rating and review that helps so much for the, the visibility. And um, gosh, anything else about the podcast that you want? At least you launched it last September, I guess. Is that right? Yes, yeah, September 14th. Is is when I launched it, and it's it's growing. In, in fact, just uh, just a couple days ago, we passed through a half a million downloads. Awesome. And you know, as well, the the numbers themselves, um, you know, I, I I don't know, they probably don't rival yours. But what what is so amazing is the reach. Um, I'm listened to in 182 countries yeah, around the world, awesome? where where English is not the natural mm -hmm. language, and Christianity is certainly not even allowed, let alone the dominant um, religion. So it's and and the messages that I get from folks in, in Dubai and India and you know places like Iran and Iraq, um, the United Arab Emirates is actually my fourth, my fifth largest um, nation for being downloaded. So it's United States, uh, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and then the United Arab Emirates. Isn't that amazing? It is. Yeah. So I'm I'm honored and. You know, just just I, I'm honored that that you have me on, and so you're. I'm a I'm, I've been a huge fan of your show for a long time, and will continue to to love what you do. Well, I think your show is just top notch, and congratulations on that success. And you're absolutely right. I never realized the power of the podcast until I got well into it. I went into it with more naive eyes, probably than yeah. you know, not realizing, um, you know, the reach that all of us can have. Anybody, there's nothing. It's just the fact that you can do it, and I appreciate you adding that value to the world and what you're doing. And like I said, Thank hopefully, you. hopefully you'll get some of my listeners to go download yours because yours yours is top notch for sure. As we wrap up here, um, I'm always curious about whose people, who their heroes are or have been. And if you had a one night where you could invite five people, alive or dead. Uh -huh. And have this you know, ultimate I sh dinner party. I should have been ready for this. Uh, well, I like to I like to surprise people on it. Because I like to I see. Know. But who oh, are those you know, there, there are. Yeah, there there are so many. Um, 
my heroes. You know, without a doubt, probably um, I would love to have met and and just hung out with Zig Ziglar. Yeah, that would. Um, I, I, I have yeah. been fortunate to have had Tom on the sh- on the show and and spoken with Tom, and and just love Zig. Zig was one of those influences on my life. Right out of college, uh, I went to work for IBM and in sales and did very very well. And the way they motivate and train salespeople is all very materialistic, you know. Mm-hmm. So you know when you make these sales, think of the house you can buy and the car you can drive. And so guess what I did? I went out and I bought the house and the car long before I could really afford them. Um, but there was an older gentleman who took me aside and he said, Bruce, I think you should listen to these. And he handed me a cassette tape of Zig Ziglar's See You at the Top. Mm. And, you know, so just with Zig's just country, Yazoo City, Mississippi accent, um, you know, I, I listened to it and I thought, oh, well, this is cute. But I, I was not a – I did not really have any kind of faith to speak of then. And so, you know, I, I was a little turned off by the way Zig constantly talked about God. And I just sort of set them aside. And then in my 40s when I was going through all of my, my you know, rediscovery again, I remembered Zig Ziglar. And it was actually so many of his thoughts, things like, you know, Bruce, you're suffering from stinking thinking. Yeah. <laughs> right, so those, right. yeah. So Zig Ziglar is absolutely one of them. Um, oh my goodness, I have to come up with five. Well, if you can just come up with three, I'll give you a. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, obviously, I, I think there there are some uh, disciples of of Jesus Christ that I would like to to meet. I, I'd love to hang out with Peter. Yeah. I think he was a lot of fun. You know, I would I would love to hang out with the Apostle Paul. Yeah. As well, I have a theory about Paul, and, and I've been to seminary, and and I don't, um, you know, I, I wound up dropping out, but because it wasn't my calling. But I have this idea about the Apostle Paul, and so some of your your listeners may or may not know uh, the New Testament and the writings of Paul, but you know, he was he was stoned, he was put in prison, he was bitten by snakes, he was shipwrecked, he was just persecuted yeah. all the way around. And it never, ever dissuaded him. It never caused him to, to, to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. For him, it seemed to strengthen him. And, and I, have a, I have this idea because that when Paul was converted on, on his road to Damascus, um, it says very briefly that he spent um, is it three years in the wilderness, but that he was personally taught by Christ. And, and there's this, that passage where he, sa- he speaks in the third person. He says, I know a man who was called up into the third heaven and shown sp- things unthinkable of which he cannot speak. I believe that unlike anybody else throughout history, I believe God showed Paul because when, when Jesus says to Ananias, who's supposed to go um, touch him with his eyes to cure him of his blindness. And Ananias says, no, I know this, Paul. He's, he's come to, uh, to destroy us. And God says, I will show Paul how much he will suffer for my name. Wow. I believe God did. And so I think that Paul saw the plan. He was shown the plan for his life. So every time he suffered these persecutions, it was more confirmation. Right. And so, 
So I'd love to hang out with Paul and just see if my theory tests true. <laughs> yeah. That you know, so bitten Very by true. snakes. Yep. Check. You know, shipwrecked. Check. <laughs> you know, <so> everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and then some of the, you know, I I would love to meet you know uh, Roosevelt, um, President Roosevelt, and some of the decisions that Which he had to Franklin make. Or- uh, yeah, for World War II. Yeah, Franklin. I'm sorry. Yeah, Franklin. You know, and just the the decision that a human being has to make to to do. You know, the obviously Nagasaki and Hiroshima, yep. and, and you know, just uh, as a human being, how he had to have struggled with knowingly killing innocent people. And you know, and I and I don't say that to blame him. I you know, I support the decision, but I I just wonder what was going through his heart and the agony that he had to have felt in order to make that decision. Because sometimes we are called to do things that are are inconceivable. There are times where, you know, I have to ask my boys to do things that are painful and they don't understand why right. but because i've got a bigger picture i have a different perspective of it i need them to just trust me i had to trust my doctor that when he said bruce i can't give you morphine i had to trust that he knew what he was talking about well that's a quite a list of um folks i'd love to be at that party too i think that- <laughs> People mention Jesus a lot, but yeah, the, you're the first person that mentioned the apostles. But I think you're right. There'd be that would be some interesting folks to Paul in particular. You're absolutely right. That's a good choice. I like that one. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Bruce, this has been a wonderful conversation. It has been fun, Richard. I know this has been longer than you're used to. I think no, that's all right. That's why, like I said, I mean, if it's you know, there's there's some great nuggets here. How can people? We've mentioned the book. We've mentioned the Life Is a Marathon podcast. I'll have links to all these. But how else can people reach out and get in touch with you? Oh, I'm easy. Um, of course, you can just Google Bruce Van Horn. There's one other Bruce Van Horn out there who's written a couple books, Yoga for Men. I'm not that guy. I'm not into <laughs> yoga. Um, but um, And he's significantly older than I am. Um, BruceVanHorn.com is the easiest place on Twitter. Uh, you can join my just amazing flock of 350. Some thousand just amazing human beings who follow and encourage me every day. I am just blown away and and so honored by the support and encouragement that I get um, on Twitter. It's at Bruce VH on Facebook. It's also forward slash Bruce VH. So awesome! I appreciate I have, it. I have links to all this, Bruce. You're my hero. I can learn so much oh, from you, mine. and I've learned so much from you. And I, I look forward to staying in touch. And I'm glad that uh, we are in each other's tribe. I look forward to, to collaborating, working, and getting to know you even in better. And um, and uh, like I said, thanks Absolutely. for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for what you're doing for the world. You, your show is amazing, and, and the things that you are spreading out into the universe, uh, just for your from your own wisdom and, and through the guests that you share, is uh, you're changing lives, and I appreciate you. Well, thank you. You're too kind, and uh, again, thanks for coming on the show. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info 
by visiting doseofleadership.com. <music>